Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galing. And this is our monthly astrological podcast where we explore the celestial landscape, what's happening in the stars. We have the astrological highlights for the month. Of course, a tarot card that fits the vibe all with an eye towards inspiration and helping you to lead a more conscious life. So hello, Stephanie. Hello, Megan. I can't can't believe it's March, especially because, you know, the weather has been so crazy. But it's March, and March means spring is coming. At least on paper. At least on paper. And it just feels like, oh, my gosh, this year is going by so quickly. So this is uh, our March uh, astrological forecast and update. So let's talk about what the big highlights are for this month. What's the big story this month? I think it's Uranus, of course, shifting into Taurus. So let's start off and talk a little bit about that. Okay. So Uranus shifts signs every seven or so years, right? Uranus is the change maker, right? The (laughs) rabble rouser, the revolutionary, the one that shakes things up for things to shake out, right? Mm -hmm. Uranus is that energetic, that archetype of the surprise, the (laughs) didn't see it coming. And like we speak about as well, all other times by looking at the sign that a planet is in, especially a planet that spends a good amount of time in a certain sign, it allows us to look at the zeitgeist mm. into the kairos to get a sense of what are the patterns, the collective patterns, the collective invitations, if you will. Mm. You know, what are the trends? What are the collective opportunities and challenges? So when a planet like Uranus shift signs, it's a pretty big deal, right? Yes. And while we can mark and say, okay, this will happen on March 6th, it may not necessarily mean that because something exactly happens on March 6th, but we are closing a chapter mm. for another one to open. Yes. Yes. I love how you're, you're, how you're saying that, you know, and so the last chapter, you know, the last like eight or so years was, of course, Uranus in Aries, which had its own vibe and its own zeitgeist, as you say. So now our next chapter is Uranus and Taurus. And so let's talk a little bit about what the trends are for Uranus and Taurus. But before we do that, do we want to first look back a little bit about Aries, because, you know, we've talked about this, of course, before about, you know, Aries is this very fiery warrior, you know, aggressive male patriarchal energy. And then you bring in that Uranus energy that you talked about. It's been an interesting eight years. Yeah, for sure. Right. We had this shakeup and this revolution in a lot of realms of life related to Aries, right? right. As we said before, but it still feels worthwhile to talk about again. You know, some of those things, Aries, Aries is very about me, right? <laughs> and the I and the brand of I and thinking yes. about how in 2011 and 2012, when Uranus really started to, you know, traipse through Aries in the beginning was the rise 
of people using more and more Instagram and mm-hmm. Pinterest and Facebook and this yeah. whole birth of the brand of I, which is, yes. you know, technology Uranus, yes. Aries, I, me. You yes. know, and we see that. And now that Uranus is coming to the end of Aries, we've also seen, you know, people wanting accountability from mm-hmm. these social media platforms. Yes. You know, like Facebook and Twitter, what have you. You know, so there's that. There's, of course, we've spoken about this before, Aries is also about will and the battle and soldiering mm, and, yes. you know, the military and guns. And we've seen in the last year, I mean, we've seen this since 2011, but especially in the last year where it's become more and more to our awareness related to gun violence, yes. the cost of gun violence and and policies or, or lack of policies related to that. And I think it's really interesting just, you know, weeks before Uranus is about to leave Aries that we have the Since Parkland website, right? Which has actually said that since Parkland in February 15th of 2019, 1,200 youth have been killed by gun violence. Wow. Right. So like I feel like this year what this is the last year of Uranus and Aries has really been ratcheting up our attention to this. Yes. Right? That it's something that we're we're all shocked about this, but hopefully, knock on some wood around <laughs> here, that that will have us bring our attention to this more. I also think it was just interesting that that website was launched the week of the last conjunction between Mars and Uranus and Aries. Right, which was a very powerful conjunction. And, you know, I like to think as we're coming to the end of this uh, Uranian chapter is that there can be a shift in consciousness, you know, that we've had this journey, we've explored it, we've lived it out, you know, and hopefully, because I think Uranus has a lot to do with revolutionizing our consciousness. And so maybe here, as the last chapter is playing out, is that, you know, there's new awareness, like you're saying, and maybe we've learned something. Maybe something has changed. Yeah, and I think that the awareness, right, has changed, you know, even with with these topics and the other topics. And I think, too, it's not that, like, come March 6th, then Uranus goes (laughs) into Taurus, like all of those Aries lessons and all that attention is over and done. No, we've been rattled. We've been shaken up in terms of, you know, the shocks that we've experienced in those realms. You know, again, another realm is with Aries ruling the head about concussive brain Injury, yes, yes. You know, so we this has come into our attention, into our conversations. It's not that we now don't pay attention to that, but hopefully, some good can mm-hmm. come out of the awareness mm-hmm. that has shaken us at our core related to these issues. Right, and I think at the core, Uranus is about awakening. You know, Definitely. I always call it the wake up and smell the coffee planet, right? And so sometimes we have to get shook, as you're saying, out of our comfort zones or that old consciousness to really fully be awake. So now we're awake to those Aryan issues. Let's talk a little bit about what uh, Uranus and Tars can shake up for us. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can, and so this we is, can only imagine, only right? Only imagine, my goodness. And well, and we've actually had a tiny bit of a preview, right? Yes, Whereas that's right. Uranus is going into Taurus for its extended stays till 2026, I believe. You know, we had a bit of a, um, I guess preview again is the word, I'm not coming up with another word, from May 15th to November 6th, 2018, Uranus did his little 
dance. It's a little plod. I'm thinking of some Taurians. <laughs> it's a little lounge <laughs> in Taurus. Because we are talking about Taurus after all. Exactly. Right? The bull. So we will have shakeups <laughs> in Taurian realms. And yes. Taurian realms are, you know, Taurus is a sign. It's an earth sign. Yes. It is related to creature comforts, mm-hmm. security, rhythm, the senses, mm-hmm. and the sensual reality, mm-hmm. right? So will we see a shakeup in um, also things that we value in terms yes. of currency, yes. financial markets, thinking about Uranus related to technology? Will there be more of a wider acceptance of, you know, cryptocurrency and mm-hmm. blockchain technology? Mm-hmm. You know, your t- Taurus also being about our food and about yeah, the gardens yes. and, and sustainability, the sh- and sustainability yes. and the shake up in how we a maybe we now are shaken up to realize oh we do need to worry about this thing there is a thing called sustainability right as right. if there is a thing actually called climate change which there is yes and I think that is very Uranus and Taurus right and because Taurus you know being that Earth sign being fixed Earth you know to me it brings to mind planet Earth right. Gaia, this planet that we live on. And we're already seeing the earthquakes. You know, Uranus is called the earthquake planet of, you know, everything changing on these very extreme levels with uh, climate change, right? And so it gives us this opportunity, I think, to look at our relationship with planet Earth. And that's where the sustainability comes in, and where we can come together and maybe look at different ways to you know, keep the earth happy and healthy and in that growth. Yes. And it's interesting, right, that there was last year on November 6th, which was also, you know, the time of the election, at least in the United States, and this whole new Congress came in. And just weeks before Uranus is going back into Taurus in March, we have this idea of the new Green Deal. Yes, right, right. That there actually is maybe this whole other level of consciousness now knock on a lot more wood that a, we preserve the wood and we preserve the forest, <laughs> but that the shakeup of our, of our awareness about climate change and sustainability hopefully does not come through more suffering. Yes. Right? More yes. suffering of the earth, you know, those kind and more suffering of people and the ecosphere. But, you know, there may be shocks and surprises. And I think also on a sort of smaller level, right, we were talking before about Taurus is also about our own routines. Yes. Right? And our habits, you know, and and how do you change those things up? Your relationship to food. Yes, yes. You know, we were, I was, we were talking before about too, it's just, it was weeks before Uranus went back into Taurus, but, and Taurus, the sign of the bull. Yes. By association, (laughs) the sign of the cow, that... McDonald's actually lost its trademark to use the Big Mac in the EU just like weeks before, right? Yes. Which is, it would be interesting to see that theme of like cows and bulls and food and, and gardens. Uh, and only ham- you could like connect like hamburger <laughs> with Taurus, with, ta- with Taurus, right? The shake up <laughs> of the, the Mac. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I also think that Taurus is fixed earth. You know, and with Aries, you know, it's a cardinal sign and Aries and that cardinal modality is just go, 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 change, change, change. It's going to be interesting to see how that Uranian energy kind of works. You talked about rhythms and Taurus is very fixed. Taurus is stubborn. Taurus doesn't move very quickly. So we're going to bring in that Uranian energy and it's going to be really interesting to see what it does do to the those regular, steady, fixed 
habits and conditioning and rhythm that we do have. You know, and the great thing about astrology is that we can talk about what the potential trends are, but of course we're not going to know <laughs> until we are right smack in the middle of that Big Mac yeah. experience, right? Oh, and because <laughs> I always say astrology to me is very much 2020. You look at what the energies are, you look at what the vibrations are, and you really understand them when you look back <laughs> on what actually happened. Yeah, I think that you bring up such a good point, right? Because I don't think that Taurus is very happy with Uranus, right? Taurus, right? They I like, agree. Like, I want to know what's coming next and coming next and coming next. And Uranus is like, slow eh -eh. and steady. We don't work that way. This is going to be about shocks and surprises. So the yes. question is, you know, if we make that sort of bigger how can we more go, you know, how can we go into this constructively to say, okay, let me look at my rhythms and my habits and my routines, the things that I'm attached to. And can I find a bit more space and more freedom because perhaps what is being encouraged is for them to be redefined. Yes. And looking at our attachment to security, how we define security, maybe that's also up for, again, redesign, redefinition. So... I love that you're bringing up that security because I think Taurus is all about security. Taurus is the is is the road more traveled, not the road less traveled. And I think we're already seeing this in the world where what we have thought was secure, what we have thought is real, what we thought is rational and reasonable is no longer. And so I do think that we're all taking another look at what is security anyway. You know, do we even have any any of that on the planet right now? And you have a great hashtag, Stephanie, that you use for this kind of uh, energy, which is stay bouncy. And I feel like we are all learning to go a little bit more with the flow and not to like plan so much in a fixed way. Taurus is a fixed sign that we don't leave any room for that Uranian change. And the other beautiful thing about Uranian change is sometimes even though it can upset the apple cart, it opens up the possibilities for all this amazing new energy that you may never have imagined before. You know, so that's so cool, I think, that if we can let go a little bit and be open to some of those bouncy surprises, I mean, good stuff could yeah. come in that we never thought of. Right. And I think that it's really important to speak to this because we can talk about it. And I know that I'm myself really fascinated by like thinking the big picture and trends and all of that. But <laughs> what, how can we use, how can we frame ourselves? How can we orient to this personally for ourselves if there's this shift? Yes. You know, and I think that some of that, regardless of where this is happening in your own personal astrology chart, is again to stay bouncy, is like you're saying, like to look at what does security mean? You know, how can we possibly, like, you know, find ways to deal with our own fixity? And I think that's the way that we own and can feel more empowered as we move forward through this. Yes. So I'm going to do a Uranus thing right now, okay. and I'm going to oh. change the subject. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Well, and surprise and, 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 okay. Wait, wait, I'm wait, here. Wait. No, but is there something, because we'll go into the next thing. We're no, no, no. I, do you want to say something more about no, that? No, I just want to say we will keep you posted on this. <laughs> we have seven years. We will be your posted. astrological uh, journalist reporters <laughs> out there, you know, keeping you in the story 
of Uranus and Taurus. And actually, then I'm thinking, too, like, and everybody else, too, and ourselves are like correspondents. So if you <laughs> see themes yes. or trends or in your own life that match up with Uranus and Taurus, send us an email. Yes. So divineventures at gmail.com or, you know, tweet at us or Instagram message us or what have you. So yes, okay. that would be awesome. So... Where are you going, Miss Uranus? <laughs> what, are we going to talk about the, speaking of story, the big story for the month? Is yes. that where you're going? Yes. Okay. So we're going to the speaking of the big story, story. for the month of March itself. Uh, for March itself, which is, is, drum roll please, an incredible focused flow of Pisces energy. The Pisces pileup. The Pisces pileup, yes. And the reason being is, well, there's many reasons being, which is very Pisces. It's like this or it's like that or the other thing, is that we have a Mercury retrograde. Yes. Interestingly enough, the Mercury retrograde begins on March 5th, which is the day before Uranus goes into Taurus and actually the day before the new moon, but we'll get to that later. Now, most of the time, Mercury, the planet of communication, spends three weeks in a sign. But because it's going retrograde in Pisces, beginning on March 5th, it actually has, is spending an extended time period there. It went in on February 10th, and it doesn't swim out until, <laughs> pun intended, until April 16th. So for, before we even get to, okay, Mercury's retrograde, Mercury's retrograde in Pisces, right? Should we talk about Mercury? Do you, are you, like, glassy? And I mean, I'm like my eyes have just glazed over because, like, what you're saying is instead of, Having it be in a sign for like it's normal three weeks, we're talking what like eight weeks or something like that. So that's a whole lot of Mercury in, in Pisces. Pisces. And you know, you were talking about maybe Taurus isn't real happy in Uranus. I mean, Mercury, I don't know how Mercury's going to do in Pisces because let's talk a little bit about Pisces. And Stephanie's a Pisces with Mercury in Pisces. Oh, you so have Mercury in Pisces? Represent here. Oh, okay. Well, why don't you start us <laughs> off? Tell us a little bit about Mercury in Pisces, Stephanie. Well, I think that, um, and now I'm going to lose my thought, which is very so Mercury Piscean. In Pisces. It's like whoop. You know, and I think the challenge that for many people, not everybody, during the year when Mercury's in Pisces, right? Mercury is the planet of communication about understanding and translating and, and facts and figures and synthesis. And Pisces is not rational. It's not linear. Right. It's spatial. It's, quote, illogical. <laughs> it's dreamy. It's intuitive. It's about having the your thoughts flow and the information just flow to you, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about capturing and receiving insights and inspiration. Mm. So the beauty of that can be just dreamy imagination, compassion-driven communication. Ah. The challenge can be this, forgetting your words, letting them drift off <laughs> like it be the ocean. Spacey? Spacey. Yes. Spacey, not like being able not to like... Not grounded. Not grounded. Thank you, see, I need yes. you to do this. I also, you know, I have my... I, now I have my... I need to get in on this because I have my moon in Pisces. You're not the only Pisces energy here, right? But that's different than Mercury. You but know, you know Pisces. I do know Pisces and I know... I. 
personally, I love my Pisces energy, and I think it's very compassionate, and it's very soulful, and it's spiritual, and it's the higher realms, and your imagination, and it's romantic, but it does have a shadow side. And the shadow side of Pisces is that kind of getting disillusioned when things don't work the way you want them to. And Pisces is notorious for playing the victim or going into the martyrdom, you know, when when things don't kind of work out how Pisces wants it to work out in its visionary, imaginary world. So this is going to be... <laughs> This is so what Pisces. Are you so about my Pisces no, people. no, I have my moon in Pisces. It's like it's the Pisces rumble. <laughs> right. So this is gonna be interesting. The other thing can I bring this up as well is that there's a Neptune aspect in this. And in the Pisces pileup, just as we're finishing that Mercury retrograde in Pisces, you know, we have Neptune. Pisces ruling planet meeting up with Neptune. meeting right up there. And so, you know, here's all this water. And when I think about Mercury, I think about, you know, electricity. And we all know that, you know, when you're dealing with electricity, you don't put it anywhere near water. So this is this is again, again going to be interesting. Yeah. And some people say, like, when they describe Mercury retrograde itself, they feel like it's very watery, very Piscean, because Mercury retrograde is going inward. It's more of the irrational, the imaginative, um, sort of that flow, that feminine kind of, you know, receiving of thinking. So then you have Mercury retrograde in Pisces, right? Mm -hmm. So I think two things, but, you know, Pisces is not so discreet like that, so <laughs> I'm going to try to limit myself to two things, is one, just for these eight, I mean, through <laughs> April 16th with Mercury in retrograde, just, like, turn to your dreams. Like, do imagine... But, but, but Mercury's not in retrograde the whole no, time. No, just Mercury and Pisces, Pisces in general. I'm going to yes. sort of break that. Yeah, like, yeah. Mercury and Pisces in general yeah. is just, you know... Just flow, dream, like watch beautiful movies, yes. like paint, write, dance, go to dances. Just like allow mm. yourself to move through inspiration, yes. write poetry, read poetry, get the artist way, you yes. know, doing things like that. Streaming. Streaming and dreaming. And, you know, streaming how can you use your voice for in an empathetic way to stand for people, you know? So that is sort of how to channel that. That's I feel like it's great. important to channel that so that it doesn't like become a flood of just confusion. And then the retrograde part is to add on to that is just, you know, you I like to call retrograde sort of like use the swivel strategy. Like you swivel and you turn around. Like, okay, I'm gonna go back to the past. Like mm -hmm. literally retrograde, I'm gonna retrace my steps. What did I already do? What did I already think about? What did I already communicate? What conversations have I had? Do any of them need to be reattended to? Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of the retrograde because mm -hmm. you get to go back over skipped steps or swim back over mm -hmm. parts of the lake that, you know, with our Pisces metaphor that you didn't <laughs> get to the first time. Does that make sense? Or I, I think really that makes sense. No, here? I think that makes great sense. And I love that you're giving all of us a context in which to work, you know, in a positive way with the Mercury retrograde. The one thing that I would add on there is that, you know, Mercury is the mind and the intellect and Pisces is more intuitive. Right. And so in this time, maybe, you know, get out of your head a little bit. And, so, you know, instead of trying to figure everything out, it's just take that deep breath and the retrograde, stepping back, swiveling backwards, 
step back and go into the voice of your intuition instead. We'll be talking a little bit more about intuition when we talk about the tarot card of the month, but this is a great time to maybe listen to that voice instead, which is a quieter, quieter voice and a more inward voice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come more into my Pisces voice rather than my... <laughs> yes. So, Stephanie, <laughs> do you want to um, talk a little bit more about the pileup in Pisces? Yes, and I think that would be then a nice segue into the lunations and the yes. new moon. So in addition to Mercury being in Pisces, partly retrograde, you know, retrograde part of the time in March, the sun is in Pisces mm-hmm. through the 20th. Neptune, of course, has been in Pisces for a while now, <laughs> so it's still there. And come the 24th, Venus, who's very happy to be in Pisces, moves into Pisces. So again, just opening up to, as you said, right, your intuition, compassion, that dreamy space. You and know. I, lo- I think Venus in Pisces is actually quite sweet. Yeah, she's very happy. That's a, she's so happy there and she's so sweet. I love that. So to bring all of that actually to then yes. a, a moment, yes. you know, we actually have the new moon in Pisces on the 6th. And that's a really interesting, those two days, you have, you know, the, on the 5th, you have Mercury retrograde beginning. So those days around it is still the Mercury station. Mercury is very strong. It's very amplified. Then on March 6th, you have Uranus moving into Taurus. And then this new moon in Pisces, sun and moon in Pisces, that happened to be connected at the same degree as Neptune in Pisces. Wow. So how, I would say, how will you dissect that? But dissecting is not a good Pisces word. How do you connect <laughs> to that and help to like unravel that for us? How do we hmm. connect into all that? I think it's more of what we're already talking about. You know, I think it's about it's about learning to be in water, mm. which to me is very much about learning to be in the flow. And here we're talking about the imagination and dreams, the inspirational. Pisces is also an emotional sign, you know. And I think that, you know, with that new moon and, you know, that new moons tend to bring kind of an accelerated energy. Is It's a wonderful time to get into that more watery flow. But I would also say watch out for emotion drama, you know, where, you know, sometimes I know this with my moon in Pisces, I tend to imagine things that aren't really happening. And then I bring in my emotions and then I just like spin out into this whole like fantasy that has nothing to do with reality. So it's again, it's just kind of like taking a step back, breathing, because especially Neptune is the planet that always asks what's real and what's not real. And so we've got the new moon in Pisces. So again, it's just, let's all just, you know, take a deep breath and be careful about e- inventing mm-hmm. emotional realities. Oh, wow. oh my God. Perfect. I love that too. Cause I'm, you know, it's like the imagination and it's like, okay, but remember the other side of the imagination is you could be making stuff up right? Right, because I of think... your fears or your hopes or your dreams. And it's like, is what you're imagining or you aspire for just to also make sure that it is grounded mm-hmm. in this sort of Saturnian 3D like reality? Like, do your dreams have bones or what kind of bones can you help to create? How can you blueprint those? Have right. the dream that's really important. Let yourself flow to that. And then just check it. 
that it has like it's it's grounded. Yeah, it had, that it has fish bones. I'm it, sorry, it has, I just I couldn't, I, couldn't res- I just couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, and I I think I can speak to the emotion again because I have my moon in Pisces, and this is a new moon in Pisces, and I just I know that tendency, and it's it's something I just think we we need to look out for a little bit. Yeah. So new moon again, can you maybe making an intention about mm, what you yes. want to create, what you want to seed? When it comes to, right, feeling a greater sense of connection, connection Mm. to yourself, connection to others. In the most compassionate way. Yes. And that's why I love that Venus in Pisces. So let's move on now and uh, to the full moon in Libra. Yeah, so then things change. Then it's like, bam, this is like we go from Pisces to a full moon in Libra on the spring equinox, the very day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is a whole different kind of energy. So talk to us a little bit about that. So I just feel like, right, we're like flowing <laughs> and surfing and swimming and like riding the waves. And then come March 20th, it's like, hello. Like there's some <laughs> sort of like we're back. Yeah, we're back. Like there's some sort of like wake, like some fiery energy, some starting, some you know, I don't know, something that just like feels like it like catches our attention and really springs forth. Well, that's the whole, I think the spring or equinoxes, you know, it's very much spring forward, new beginnings. We're in springtime, that forward moving energy. We're going into that Aries energy. And also, of course, the the full moon, not the new moon, the full moon in Libra. Libra is a cardinal sign. Yeah, and so we, we're, we're in that cardinal energy. We talked a little bit about that with Uranus and Aries. Cardinal is go, go, go. And I know you're going to want to talk about this. It's actually at zero degrees, Libra, which is important. Yeah, so any of those cardinal, like the zero degrees of any of those signs, so Libra, Capricorn, Aries, Cancer, is what's called being on the cardinal axis. And it's thought when there's um, a planetary positioning there, and this is very strong because we have a full moon, we have the sun and the moon in zero degree cardinal, that there's something where we experience the connection between the personal and the political, like the mm. personal and the world. Like, yeah, that's happening around the world, but it halfway around the world, but it might as well be happening next door. There's something where we realize that we are not separate from all of that around us. So oftentimes galvanizing events do occur around or on, you know, times where that cardinal access is quite um, strong is catalyzed so you know just notice it's always good to It'll notice. Be, it'll be interesting to see kind of what pops up out there in the world and what is your take on full moon in libra i i'm a, i'm a libra i love that we're just sharing all of our <laughs> all of our astro today but to me it, the full moon in libra of course brings in that energy of balance of you know middle ground trying to find harmony of course libra is very relational and it's trying to find that balance and that harmony that give and take you know in that dance of relationship yeah exactly right and that common ground between mm-hmm. me and us. Yes. You know, and I do wonder, right, like, and this isn't the only way I can show up, but it's because it's so relational, you know, if we've lost ourselves in the stream of the Piscean energy <laughs> where we've been enabling or giving codependent. over a codependent, like yeah. that full moon might just be like, hello, Stop. <laughs> wait, 
you know, are you giving too much? Or are you not giving enough? Like yes, rebalancing yes. relationships. So yes, I think that that full moon in Libra will definitely be a little bit of a sea change during the month. Yeah, for sure. So then, speaking of the month, and I love this, the tarot card you're going to speak about, because it really seems to capture so much of this invitation and give us, gives us even more tools and ways to frame it. So with that introduction, the tarot card of the month yeah, is... Yeah, the tarot card of the month um, that I chose is the high priestess, actually. And, mm-hmm. you know, the thing about tarot cards is the images around tarot cards, they're archetypes. And so what archetypes do is they give us a framework in which to kind of hold and explore different energies. So what is the archetype of the high priestess? And the high priestess is ruled by the moon but she feels very Piscean to me. And the high priestess is very much about, well, she represents the sacred feminine. She's about inner wisdom, intuition, contemplation, and reflection. And so what the high priestess is very much about is going into your stillness and going within. And they talk about with the high priestess, it's ask and ye shall receive. And so instead of looking for your answers out there in the world, instead you go in and you ask, and you wait for those answers to be given to you. And that's why the high priestess has so much to do with intuition. Because, and we talked a little bit about this with that Pisces, is intuition is listening. And intuition is knowing. And so intuition is not intellectual. It's not about what makes sense. It's not about what's happening out there. It's very much when you can come into that place of consciousness, of stillness, where you really know on this very, very deep level. And so with all this Pisces energy happening, I think it's a really great time to like really commune with the high priestess and, you know, take a note from her book and take a step back. Think about activities. You've talked about a little bit about them, but maybe bring in some meditation. You know what I mean? Anything that's going to take you out of that very hyperactive intellectual mind and just really allow yourself to kind of come into those more still spaces. The other thing about the high priestess is she does represent the sacred feminine. And with the sacred feminine, oftentimes there's an energy around if I'm really in some of these feminine gifts, like intuition, which is not necessarily intellectual or rational, or I'm taking a step back and I'm in my own inner world, I'm going to be misunderstood. And so the high priestess sometimes carries a shadow energy of being misunderstood, of being sometimes even I'm going to be persecuted for what I know and who I am because it doesn't always make complete sense. Is this Piscean and Neptunian or what in the outer world? And this is where you stand for what you know on that very, very deep level and let it show you by that quiet listening Again, what you, how you need to act or what you need to do. And that is the high priestess. And I, I just feel like talking about her. I just have fallen in love with her all over again because oh <laughs> she's so cool, too. right? She's such a powerful, powerful archetype. And here we are talking about sacred feminine, moon. and But, you know, the, everybody has male and female energy. We all have yin and yang. And so as we're talking about this, it's not just applying to women. I mean, this applies to everyone. We all have a feminine energy. We all have a sacred 
feminine within, male or female? I feel like I've lost my words because I am so in like or enraptured and really feeling what you shared. Well, that's As the if, high priestess. She's easy to be. She's so powerful in her quietness. And I love that stillness. If I think about it now, like the word for the month for me, you know, is finding that stillness. Ooh. And maybe it's also with that Piscean stillness and then the Taurus shifting of routines. What new Ooh. habits Ooh. or routines can I adopt that allow me to find and be that stillness? Wow, Stephanie, that was really great. You really, I love how you brought that completely full circle back to that new, you know, vibration of Uranus and Taurus. That is so amazing. I love that. Wow. I mean, we've been talking about March 2019 for a while, and here we are. Yeah. And it does really feel... Um, I don't even know what word to say. You know, none of the words that will come. This is also very Pisces, like you're looking for the perfect world word. You know what I, I, I actually wrote down on our outline? It feels very unique and powerful. That's yeah, <laughs> Thank you for the word. Right, because Mercury and Pisces, I like, can't it's find the It's unique and it's powerful. No word will do it justice. Yeah. It's unique and it's powerful. Thank you, Megan. Well, thank you. And I think it's going to be a really interesting month ahead. And so we will see you uh, with So Divine in April. As Stephanie said, be sure, you know, if anything comes up for you and what you're experiencing astrologically or in the world, drop us an email. Um, you can also find me at MeganSkinner.com. Stephanie's at StephanieGaling.com. She's on uh, Instagram as am I. And speaking of Pisces and dreams, you have a new Instagram. I do. It's called Inspiring Sleep, Inspiring underscore sleep, and it's all about sleep and dreams. Yeah, so that's something else to check out. Thank you. And thank you as well to the Overcast Studio here in Seattle where we record our podcast and our podcast producers, Nick Petrie and Sebastiano Tecchio. Until April, wishing you all the best. Mm-hmm.